I'm delighted to welcome Nick Bagnall, who is directing the first production of this term, Les Liaisons Dangereuses. The production, which features final year actors and takes place at the Silk Street Theatre, opens on Thursday the 2nd of February. So Nick, welcome. Thank you. Um, or should I say welcome back? Um, <laughs> because you studied here on the acting programme, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, what's it like to be back in a directing capacity? It's wonderful. It's, um, I've been, I've done, um, I did the second year modern project uh, last year and then I did the restoration with the second years again. Uh, so this is the first um, third year directing show I've done. So, it, and that's more public, isn't it, it than is, second year work? It is. The, um, I mean, what's so brilliant about here is that it's all about the work. So regardless of whether we're showing it to the public or whether we're showing it to our peers or it's a private in-house little thing. It's all about the work. So it feels like um, it, I can deal with it like I deal with a class. I've got a nice team around me, which is fab. So, I, you know, they're an incredible bunch of students these third years. So we, we, we need to concentrate on them and not concentrate on me and how big I can make it and how beautiful my design can, my designer can make it. Um, it's fascinating coming back to Gildall, absolutely fascinating. It's, um, it's enlightening in so many ways, <laughs> walking down that corridor, I've, it's the shivers up my spine from, when did I leave? I left in nine, end of 93, okay. so it's nearly 20 years. Um, and I never thought I'd walk down those corridors ever again, so it's been fabulous to be here. And there's such great heads of department, so yeah, it's great, it's lovely to be back, delighted. Um, well, since you graduated, um, you accumulated a wide range of acting credits yeah. from Coronation Street to feature films. Yeah. Um, when did you first decide to try your hand at directing? Was that a conscious move for yeah, you? Yeah, it was. It was incredibly conscious. It was the only move I could make, really. I, um, I've been acting since I was eight, so I've been involved in theatre over 30 years. Um, when I was at Harrogate College, when I was 16, I directed a play called Road, a Jim Cartwright play. And I always knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, I never thought with somebody from my background could go into directing. I always thought it was an Oxbridge-based thing, which still exists now, and that's not criticism. That's just the reality of it. About ten years ago, um, things were going really well as an actor. I was you know, successful and doing really nice, interesting work, like you say, ranging from all over, from telly to film, lots and lots of theatre. And... I was very unhappy and I couldn't work out what it was um, and I was unhealthy, I was unhappy, I loved the lifestyle of an actor far too much and you can read into that what you will and I'm sure what you read in there's probably more to it than that um, and I was, I, just, I was genuinely just feeling completely lost and didn't really know where to turn so I set up my own company and I did a play called The Ruffian on the Stair by Joe Orton and this was year 2000. So it's longer than 10 years, wow. And um, I begged, borrowed, stole money to do this production and uh, the Orton estate came to see it. And they loved it and from then work started to come in as a director. And then three years ago I did a production, I was working in lots and lots of theatres, Liverpool Everyman, Birmingham Rep, Hampstead, you know, things were great and doing lots of really interesting work. And then three years ago I was offered a play in the West End called uh, Entertaining Mr Sloan by... Joe Orton again, uh, with Imelda Staunton, which kind of threw open huge doors, yeah. um, because I was at a certain level, which meant that I could start, God, I should touch loads of wood while I'm, this should be prefaced <laughs> with touch wood, um, 
I felt incredibly lucky and we got on so well, me and Imelda, that I kind of had to make a decision about whether I wanted to continue acting, and I certainly didn't. So I made that decision after that production and it, it was, went brilliantly and I was kind of uh, nominated for awards, and so the kind of the prof my profile became bigger as a director. And then um, Imelda asked me one day in rehearsal, she just said, what are you going to do after this? And I said, well, you know, I've got meetings and da-da-da, and I've got auditions. She went, you've got to not do those auditions, you've got to commit to this as a director. So to hear somebody of um, that calibre, mm -hmm. um, with such theatre boots, to say that, really kind of, it was a release, actually, and a relief to hear somebody else say it, because I knew I had to give up acting. And it was the best decision I've ever made. Um, and I couldn't juggle the two. So I did it. And uh, I've not looked back, which is fab. Um, and I'm healthier and happier. And I've got 24 hours worth of energy. And as a director, that absolutely makes sense. I can use all that. Yeah. There's never a moment's rest. Um, so that's how I got into it. A long-winded story, but that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. And have you... Um I guess it's been quite a switch of identity for you in a lot of ways. But. Um, I don't know if it has, actually, because I've always felt like the front line is the actor, and I trained as an actor, and therefore, in a place like this, you're given... I've never even acknowledged this until I came back here, but the training you get here is incredible. It's incredible because we learn a technique to make it invisible. So I've always thought that as a director, the actor needs to be the front line. So I suppose my work is always very much about firm fun, is what I call it, where the room needs to be fun, but it also needs to be very much about the work. And so when it comes to... I don't believe there's an identity switch because I've always felt like I wanted a director to talk to me as an actor on the front line. So I always feel like everything... Well, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but everything begins and ends with the actor. And uh, are you finding it slightly odd being on the other side of things at Guildhall? Um, you're on the other side of the fence from when you were last here. Yeah, maybe this sounds odd, but it feels incredibly natural. Um, it's no different to any other job working here. In fact, you have to up your game when you work here. And I really do believe that. You have to step up a gear, because um, these, these students are about to hit... The, the, you know, the beginnings of their career. So I feel incredibly responsible for that. Um, yeah, it's a real position of responsibility. It really is, yeah. and you can't... You've got to embrace that, and you've got... To, that's what I mean by stepping up your game. You have to, because this is... We'll get onto the play, I'm sure, in a minute, but when you're working with students like this, they want it so much, and they work so hard with so many things going on. Um, so for me to acknowledge the work that the teachers do around the college and then for me to be able to naturally fit into that, it seems like the most natural thing in the world to be here. Um, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, it's a challenge. Yeah. It's a hell of a challenge. Um, but no, I've, I've, it doesn't feel... It feels completely natural. And I, <laughs> it feels very odd being in these rooms. <laughs> I had a lot of... You know, I was quite a troubled student when I was here. I was 18 and partying a lot, so it's nice to see that they've allowed me back in the place, actually. <laughs> well, you mentioned the play you're working on, um, Lily is on Dangereux. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, it's hugely successful when it was first staged by the RSC. Yeah. It went on to be a really high-profile film with Stephen Frears. Um, so how do you go about directing something like that, which a lot of people feel they already know? Not worry about it. 
genuinely not worry about it. It's like doing Guys and Dolls or Oliver. It's, you know, there's a little, even if we can hum a tune, there's a slight remembrance of something. But um, it was done a long time ago at the RSC. Um, I saw it actually. I was a kid when I saw it, and I didn't like it. I hated every minute of it um, because it just felt like a kind of a museum piece, even though it was a new play when I saw it. Okay. Um, so I don't worry about it at all, and I just start the process as I'd start any process on any play. Um, there are challenges here at Guildhall to do such a huge play, such an epic play. Because um, you've got quite a limited rehearsal time, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like touch wood again. It feels like we're in a really good place with it at the moment. I mean, we're halfway through rehearsals and it's got a nice shape to it. It's, um, I, you kind of forget everything you know about it. You have to, otherwise you, otherwise you can't touch the great plays. I've done a lot of revivals. I mean, I did one Billy Lyre, the 50th anniversary last year at West Yorkshire Playhouse, and I got asked the same question, and it's kind of like you just forget it, because the minute you get a group of people together, actors, designers, lighting designers, whoever, movement teachers, fight directors, you know, it, that's when the work begins. That's when my vision begins from when I've got my team together. I've got abstract thoughts, I've got... I might have notes on cuts, I might have notes on language, but actually until everybody's in the room together, um, it's, that's when it all begins. And nobody's, everybody's gonna come to this play fresh. I mean, some of these kids weren't even born. So they have no preconceptions. Yeah. Also, it's, it's an amazing adaptation of a book, an 18th century book, which Laclos um, wrote a series of letters. So if in doubt, I just go back to the original form, which are the letters. and abstract things tend to unleash themselves from those letters um, so the short answer is I don't worry about it otherwise you just get yourself in a pickle yeah um, and the themes of this play are quite brutal yeah um, sex being used as a weapon not quite they're incredibly brutal kind of actually humiliating really. yeah. and degrading people um, and I'm sure that brings challenges especially mm. for young actors yeah um, how do you kind of go about supporting them in that? Well, this, you've picked the day to ask this, because this morning I've spent um, looking at the kind of um, the scene, which is between Cecile and Valmont, and he comes into a bedroom and he touches her in places she's never been touched before, and it's a rape. I mean, there's no getting away from it. It's a rape. Mm. The, the narrative of the story moves forward after the rape, and she becomes a different person, but it's a rape. So we've been dealing with that all morning. Um, it's tough with any group of actors, but what's incredibly tough about this play, which is why I think Gildor are ambitious, brave, challenging in the plays they choose, is what's really difficult to do this play with kids who've got very limited life experience. Like the creatures in this play, and we do call them creatures because they're so animal, the creatures in this play um, have so much history and so much experience and it's of a different time and it couldn't be any more extreme the time we're in and so I deal with it in a very careful way in a very gentle way um, and it all has to be about their truth as actors so for instance looking at the scene this morning with two extraordinary agile young actors Cara and um, Ned playing Valmont and Cecile and it's about they don't know this and because they're out of the room, but it's about me preparing the scene in advance, carefully and thoroughly, to the point where if there's any moment of doubt or danger, 
then they're able to step out of the scene. So it's set up very carefully, call it acting by numbers really, where I just kind of piece it together bit by bit. Amongst all that, there's then the work which is necessary, which is um, like the inner monologue work, which is essential, which is our thoughts which are going on that we don't necessarily voice. Um, so that takes us into very dangerous areas and you'll find more often than not if you've created the atmosphere and again I, I think we have created the atmosphere where actors feel safe to tell me their experiences and that's not and I would never disclose any of that to anybody but that's not to say that anybody in this room has been raped but there has to be some connection to that invasion and they're really going there it's, I've got one of those days today, I'm dealing with rape this morning and then this afternoon I'm dealing with an epileptic fit. So it is tricky, but they've got the tools yeah. to be able to deliver it. It's now just a case of making sure that it sits in their stomach in the right place. Because we can all think what rape is, but we don't actually, we need to connect it to our stomachs and make it guttural in a very safe environment. So I couldn't be happier really with who I've got but it is difficult and it is a challenge and it's not just the fact that it's sexually furious and brutal this play it's a it's the language as well you know these words are weapons and these words hurt people so in a kind of more general area the play deals with damage and the damage you can choose to do on somebody with words and that's slightly harsher than the kind of reality of sexual, kind of physical violence. It's actually the reality about how we can stab someone or kill someone with a set of words. That's the hardest bit of the play. Yeah. Because it's written in um, 1785, 86, when we've set it, but actually it's, it's placed... Christopher Hampton's done a kind of 20th century version of the language so we've got a balance to do which is make sure that we're specific with the period but also um, the language sits in a 20th century idiom and that's that's where we are at the moment that's the, the fragility of the play um, so no it's incredibly tough but we wouldn't do it otherwise what's the point yeah <laughs> it's like we may as well do an episode of Hollyoaks you know really <laughs> it's just that's what's so amazing about this place that they feel that they're at that stage now where they can invest in the truth of the line fully and you're working with some really exciting young actors I'm in working this with group them. aren't you oh they're incredible I mean I could name them all as incredible I mean the two guys who were playing the leads um, B and Ned I mean they walk into the room and they're the most generous kind people I've ever met and I mean that genuinely they're beautiful beautiful souls and what's been tricky with those two is because I've got they've got to be ugly. They've got we can't like these people. Yeah, there might be moments of redemption. There might be moments where we go, oh, I understand it, and it's all based on you know it all comes from his pain and his cover up. But actually, they've got to stop trying to be liked. But I tell you what, the minute I gave them that note, it's like they've just run with it. They've all got great careers ahead of them, and this is a dream for those two to be able to step right outside their comfort zone. Yeah, it's a great showcase. It really is. It really is. But I love the fact that they're dealing with it moment by moment and everything is based in truth. So it would be very easy to make this piece a museum piece. So yeah, incredibly exciting for them. Um, you mentioned um, the tools that um, 
uh, students get when they study acting yes. here. Um, your year at Guildhall have gone on to a range of successful <laughs> careers. It's amazing. Um, so Danielle Torrento, who's a well-known producer and casting director. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know Adrian Bauer and Natasha Little yeah. are well-known TV actors. And obviously, Daniel Evans yeah. is now artistic yeah. director of Sheffield Crucible, an enormous job. Rightly so. Um, so what do you think it is about the training here that has equipped people for all these kind of varied careers in theatre? It feels important and vital, the training here. Um, it's a really tricky question. I'm not really sure the answer to it. I suppose in somebody like... I can only speak on behalf of me, really. I know AD really well, and I know Natasha, and I'm about to do a job for Daniel at the Crucible, so I know him really well, but I wouldn't dream of speaking on behalf of them because everything's so... We've all had such varied kind of journeys, but I think the one thing that is incredibly apparent in all of us is over the last five, ten years we've acknowledged what the training has done and the training has given us a really solid base um, technically and also a massive understanding of theatre. Um, but it is interesting that I've moved into directing coming from an acting background and to think that I have no idea that the work I did with Ken Ray or um, Wynne Jones, Patsy Romberg, these people kind of saved, changed my life, I suppose, when I was here. And I never realised or acknowledged that until I started directing. Oh, that's interesting. And the tools that somebody like Wynne gave me, um, I use in rehearsals now with any actor, not just here. Um, there's just a real care about the work, and it's instilled in day one, is that it's important, this. You know, if you want to be... A, if you want to be an artist, it's important that the technical tools are there for you. Um, but there's no stifling of our personalities I never found. In fact, there was the opposite at times was that it was important to be you. And there's a sense of anarchy about it as well, and I suppose that's where my head is regarding the question, is that all those people you've mentioned, Danielle, I don't know that well, although I've seen her a few, but all the other people like AD, Dan Evans, Natasha Little, there's, you know, there's a sense of punk about them. And there's a sense of, they're brave and they make the right choices in, in the sense that they move, the, they move their journey forward with bold, challenging choices. Daniel taking over the Sheffield Crucible is probably the best thing that's happened to theatre in this country in a long, long time. Um, the way he man-manages, the way he is able to be creative as well as run a building. And it reminds yeah, he's also acting in shows there, oh, isn't man, he? No, absolutely. Directing and he reminds me of somebody like, you know, Wynne or Patsy does Daniel, in the sense that it all starts with the work. Um, so, yeah, and it's, I, th I think that's it. I know it's an abstract answer, but it's the anarchy of it, I think, for me. Like Ken Ray, it's never about, it's never about making easy choices. And Daniel could quite happily have just gone on with his career and been as successful as you know he is without taking a building on but he wants that challenge and he knows that he's got the tools to be able to deliver that um, and not be scared there's no fear that's what I think that's what same with Danielle actually there's no fear I mean aid is just fearless <laughs> in many ways <laughs> and um, somehow Guildhall instills that in you yeah and it's funny when I'm saying this to Wynne the other day it's nice when you hear things come back because um, meeting graduates auditioning graduates 
for plays or for things. There's a real standard here. You know, I'm not in, wouldn't name any other drama schools, but we really are up there in the cream of graduates. The way they walk into a room, the, the way they prepare themselves, the way they deliver an audition, you know, and there's manners, and it sounds terrible, but there's, it sounds really naff and not necessary, but it is, and the way that people are, we're taught to treat people, you know, other actors, like it's not just about you, it's about who's in the space with you. I have this big thing in rehearsals, which is, Everybody in the room is as important as the people on stage, and if there's a, if that, if there's a, even a shiver of that not being true, then I would always stop the rehearsal because it needs to be a safe environment. And somebody twiddling their hair, picking their nose, scratching their ass, doing those kind of things outside the room is disrespectful to the work, and we really believe that. I think. But again, I would never have known this unless you'd asked me. It's really true, talking about it here as well. <laughs> but you can't not walk away from this place and you know, extraordinary teachers. I mean, as I say, Wynne and Ken literally saved my life at 19 because I would have given it up if it wasn't for them too. Right. Um, and to even walk amongst Patsy Rodenberg's shadow is something, God, we should, we should really, really embrace that. The strength of those people, I think, and their absolute commitment to the importance of the work. Well, thank you so much, Nick. It's <laughs> a pleasure to talk to you. No, on. not at all. Um, and we're really looking forward to Les Liaisons Dangereuses, which Good. opens on Thursday, the 2nd of February, <laughs> in the Silk Street Theatre. Good luck with the rest of thank your you rehearsals. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you.